This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 48. Truth Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth, where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. Here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. Alrighty, hey everybody, this is your host Keith, and this time once again for Truth Exposed. Hey, this is the... Uh, format of the show, or what do we do here on Quest for Truth, where we like to take a deep dive into Scripture. We are right in the middle of going through the book of John. We'll be uh, deep into chapter 13 today. We won't get all the way through it, but uh, we're sneaking up on it. But some pretty uh, uh, heavy-hitting stuff today, some troubling things happening today. Uh, but we like to to just uh, Pick it apart, uh, word by word or phrase by phrase. Uh, I know it's often tempting to just read uh, and, and use it as a teaching uh, lesson or a three-point sermon with the three points of poem or prayer, as they as they commonly say. But we want to dig into it because you know the way I'm thinking when it comes to scripture is you know every word matters. And sometimes some insignificant words can really uh, carry some important uh, meaning as it conveys maybe a greater truth or maybe the the overlooked truth. <laughs> but this is why I like to, to really slow down and, uh, and, and chew on it for a little bit uh, instead of just uh, reading through a, a stretch and then maybe cherry picking an important idea out of it. Uh, we like to see what, it, what everything is there. That's what I'm trying to phrase it. So anyway, with all that concept, uh, don't have an awful lot. You know, I, I don't think I've been mentioning this lately as we open our uh, show, but uh, we will hear in a moment from our co-host, Nathan Caldwell, who will have a few remarks. We always like to bring in comments from long-deceased, uh, much-favored Bible teacher of the radio airwaves, Jay Verna McGee. He still does have a ministry out there that still carries the torch of what he set forth uh, many years ago. And uh, you can find that at ttb.org. That stands for Through the Bible Ministries.org, TTB. And uh, please do check them out and uh, follow their good work there. And if you want to contribute contribute to them, if you have a good word about it, hey, we'd like to hear about it too, but tell them. And anyway, with all that, um, I don't have a lot more, just those introductory things. I typically read from the New American Standard Bible, while our co-host reads from uh, the good old King James Version. I, I'd like to include both, just to have a parallel, so you can see how... Uh, the modern language looks as opposed to all the these and thous and therefores and stuff from, you know, 600 years ago or more. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all I got. 
for opening housekeeping here. So let's go ahead and get this on the road right after a brief message from the good folks at Christian Podcast Community, Christian Podcast Community dot com, where you'll hear a bunch of great podcasters with a lot of awesome messages and a few you'll find that sound like these. Hello, everyone. Daniel Minnick here. I host a podcast called Truth Espresso, and I am inviting you to join in. So what can you expect at Truth Espresso? Well, at Truth Espresso, we wake up our minds every Monday with a robust shot of truth. Let's dig deep in the Word of God as we get to know our God better together. Let's challenge our view of the world as we take apart conventional politics with a fine-toothed comb. See all that Truth Espresso has to offer by going to www.truthespresso.com. And by the way, Truth Espresso is now a member podcast of the growing family of the Christian podcast community. Check out other faith-building shows at christianpodcastcommunity.org, hosted by Striving for Eternity Ministries. Two great books and one website. Visit strivingforeternity.org. There are two books that I would like to recommend you purchase. What they, meaning people who aren't Christians, other religions believe, and what we believe. Systematic Theology Made Simple. Both are great resources, especially if you plan on witnessing to somebody. Strivingforeternity.org. Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast, bringing you encouragement and challenging believers to spiritual change and growth by applying biblical principles to everyday life. And now your hosts, Sasso Mendez and Ben Ariano. Welcome everybody to the Abundant Life Podcast. I'm here with my good friend and faithful servant in the faith, Sasso Mendez. Hello, hello. What's going on out there? YouTube and uh, radio waves. (laughs) land radio land but we really want this content to go out we want people to know Amen. about jesus and the truth and Amen. so uh yeah go ahead and rate us if you can give us give it a rating uh if not just at least subscribe if you would if you would subscribe that way you're aware of when we drop a new episode check us out on uh, instagram twitter uh give us a like on on facebook and uh we just want to thank you guys for for your support and and uh, we'll see you in the next two ep- weeks coming up it's gonna be good good. don't miss it thanks guys we love you guys we'll see you thank you bye Bye. until next time thank you for listening to the abundant life podcast we pray you were blessed by today's episode please visit us online at abundantlife.fm until next time may god bless you talk a little bit uh, about John chapter 13. We probably could push all the way through the end, but 
I would rather just take it here in baby steps. Uh, and today, I'm going to look particularly at John 13, verses 21 through 30. And the, the, the is only eight verses after this. And I might, could press through it, but again, it's to me just a sizable of enough chunk I would throttle back on it. Uh, but 30 uh, is a good stopping spot. It's a good transitioning place. So let's go with this. Uh, so far in this chapter, uh, we are in the upper room, and Jesus has humbled himself. He transitions as master of the disciples uh, to act as the role of a servant uh, in washing their feet. And by doing this, he uh, used it as an example to commission them to do service on one another uh, in the same way. Now, once he was finished with that, he did uh, resume his role as uh, their master and teacher. And he uh, reminded them that just as he was sent as God's agent on earth, he is about to send them out as his agents on earth, which by extension would also be God's agents. But here, uh, let's before I get reading verse 21, let's uh, back up one step here because this will play an important role in our passage before we get done. And that is in verse 20. Uh, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whoever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives he who sent me. And I thought about thinking about that for a second. Uh, and that's what I mean. He's he has been sent as God's agent, and now he is sending people out as God's as his agent. And by doing that, the people receive us as Christians. They receive Jesus, and by receiving Jesus, they're receiving the teachings of God. Now, in verse twenty-one, when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said. Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. Now, I am reading this from the New American Standard Bible uh, from, I think this is the 1977 version. And, of course, our uh, co-host, Nathan Caldwell, uh, as well as when we have J. Vernon McGee step in, they, will, they tend to recite from the good old King James version. Uh, but I like to present uh, a parallel between a modern uh, translation as opposed to a 600-year-old translation, or 400, 500, somewhere there. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, testified, and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. You see there's a uh, contrast between what's happening in verse 20. It's kind of an encouraging thing. I'm sending you out. People will accept you. They'll accept God. But now he says, um, he became troubled. He testified. Um, now, there's no surprises with God. There's no surprises with Jesus. He already knew that he would be betrayed. Uh, but he didn't even know who it would 
be, but it still hurt. Uh, it was someone who was treated as a close friend. And even if you know your best friend has uh, in it their heart to betray you, it's still going to hurt, even though you know it ahead of time. And the word troubled, uh, it means to be stirred or agitated. It's an emotional, very emotional word. It's the same word that was used with Jesus when he was uh, going to raise Lazarus. He was troubled and he wept. You know, he wept with Mary over her emotional grief. He was logical with Martha and her right-brained mentality. He, He reflects to us our own uh, emotional outlook on things. But here he is that same emotional, he's troubled, he's stirred. Now, let's go on. In verse 22, the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to understand which one he was speaking. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spoke. This man, Judas, had been so clever that not a person there believed that he was the one. Each one thought might be the other, and in fact, the matter is they could ask, is it I? The question is often asked, did Judas partake of the Lord's Supper? Of course not, because it's not even recorded here in John's Gospel. Now, clearly they heard him say uh, that one of them is going to betray him. But they're like, they're in the headlight look, clueless. They didn't know. Did they hear it right? That's all I have to say about that. There's not really much to go, but we're going to find out a little more about that as we go on. And let's go on. Verse 23. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples who Jesus loved. Well, you notice Now, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. I believe John is referring to himself here. We believe that, of course, is John. Now, beloved disciple, beloved means dearly loved, dearly beloved. It's not just, you know, regular agape love. It was a special closeness. And this disciple is not named, and as... uh, Everyone would agree uh, John never names himself on his gospel, and it's uh, widely understood that this is who is being spoken of here is John himself. Um, but he was close to Jesus. Did he pick up on a hidden meaning or clue? Did he, did he hear the same thing the rest of the disciples heard? Well, in verse 24, Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he's speaking. And notice here, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Now, this byplay, I do not think, was observed and noted by the others, but we need to note it, or there'll be a certain amount of confusion here. Tell us who it is of whom he's speaking. Okay, Peter, very impetuous guy. Harry is a very curious guy. And he's sitting probably fairly close to Jesus, but 
not right up leaning against Jesus' breast like John. John would have been able to hear his heart beat. Uh, he would have heard every vibration of every uh, acoustic syllable <laughs> that came across Jesus' vocal cords. Did we miss something? He motioned to him with a little finger gesture. Hey, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> and uh, well, Peter wants to know that what you talk about betray. Now, Peter is kind of a loyal guy. Did he possibly have some motives? Did he possibly want to intervene? How dare they betray Christ? I want to find out who it is, and I'm going to get him. Is that what he was thinking? We find out later that he did have a sword. Did he have a sword at this time? That would be the question. It's really irrelevant at, at this point. But uh, he was definitely curious. He was definitely loyal. And he may have had uh, those kind of motives behind this. Verse 25, he, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? So clearly they heard right. Uh, Jesus just said someone's going to betray him. And here, uh, John, if nothing else, uh, he may not have had the same kind of uh, anticipation of stopping something. He was just wanted to clarify. Did you say what we thought, thought you said? Well, let's go ahead and move on. In verse 26, Jesus then answered, that is the one for whom I shall dip a morsel and give it to him. So when he had dipped a morsel and took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, you see, Judas here stood at the crossroads. This is his last chance. And the sop was sort of like a toast. It was a token of friendship. It's as it were, Christ kept the door open to Judas up to the very last. And we're going to see that later. But you remember that when he even came out with the soldiers to arrest Jesus, he made the statement at that time, that is, the Lord Jesus did to him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Even to the very last, the door was kept open. And it's as it were, the Lord is saying, You fulfill prophecy, but it's not too late for you, Judas, to accept me. And the Lord Jesus is just keeping the door open even here. Now, he knew what Judas would do. May I repeat the statement of another here? Foreknowledge is not causation. That is, because the Lord knew it doesn't mean he forced him to do it. Many of us know this passage. This is not a new passage. But back in verse 20, what did he say? He said, The person that receives me also receives the Father. That's important. Because... The only way to the Father is through Jesus. All right. Now, it seems like 
through our session today and even previously, uh, Jay Vernon McGee has made it clear that he believes that this is not uh, the Passover feast. Uh, it's not the Lord's Supper. And what this is happening here is anything but that. But I, I, I'm not exactly sure what he means by that, because clearly it does seem to be what we w- would commonly call the Last Supper, uh, the Lord's Supper, uh, what would what we often refer to as the Passover feast, but I suppose technically the Passover feast would come on the next uh, night, uh, of course, the night which Christ would be on the cross when other Jews would normally be celebrating it. Uh, but however you look at it, uh, um, it, it is that feast that the other Gospels pay a lot more details in describing. And it does seem, uh, out of all the commentaries and customs I've ever been familiar with, uh, follow that similar order of a Passover feast where you have uh, bread and, you know, the morsel is the bread morsel. uh, And you dip it and you share it. And uh, it's a very structured, traditional dinner and so he's saying the one that i'm going to dip the bread and and give it to that's the betrayer but the thing is if you read the other passages we find out that in the course of this meal they all dipped and they all ate now i guess you could uh, take from that and say well we all betrayed jesus in some way or another none of us are perfect but clearly uh the sin of betrayal that judas had was a lot different than anything that us common garden variety Christian believers uh, might uh, partake in. Uh, Not that we couldn't, uh, I suppose, betray Jesus in a horrible way, but uh, not Judas, not like what Judas did. This dipping of the morsel, it uh, was an act of courtesy. It was an act of friendship. It was an act of honor. So Jesus, right up to the end here, uh, he honored his betrayer. He honored him. He showed him nothing but honor. He could have said, okay, get him, Peter. He could have stopped it, but he knew it would not have been glorifying to God. Uh, But um, there is a statement I found from, I think it was in a John MacArthur commentary, that he suggests that Jesus' answer was purposely vague in order to keep the peace because he didn't want to start something. He knew uh, what was about to go down was dictated to go down. Let's go ahead and continue. In verse 27, after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now will you notice, and after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. And he made the decision. God never sent a man to hell who did not first of all send himself there. You see, God ratifies human decisions. God just seconds the motion. 
When a man says, I make a motion, I accept Christ, God says, I second it, I receive you. When a man says, I reject Christ, as this man did, why, God says, I second the motion. That's exactly what you have. Now, Judas must move hurriedly. You see, having made his decision, he's not beyond the control of God. He's compelled to cooperate with God, having made this decision. In other words, even the religious rulers didn't want to arrest him and to crucify him during the feast. They wanted to wait till it's over. Our Lord says, you'll have to move quickly. And so this man actually went out. He went out to let them know that he'd been found out. Now, this is um, in a bit of a contrast to early on in this chapter, a couple sessions back, as we've been talking about this now. You may remember in John 13, verse 2, it's like one of the opening verses in this chapter here. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. So, Early on during this meal, even before the foot washing, Satan had put it in the heart of Judas, put it in the heart. But here, once Jesus hands that morsel, whatever agonizing, whatever debating, whatever eternal struggle, whatever temptations that was playing out in Judas deconstructing of his discipleship, uh, now... It says Satan entered into him. Uh, you see the big difference there. It, 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 it went from as this uh, the account unfolded to just being put to him. Satan just, hey, buddy, think about this. But now Satan is like, gotcha. We got you. And he entered into him. Temptations complete. Decisions are final. And so Jesus says quickly, as fast as possible, go do this. Now, you have to, again, there's no surprises with God. There's no surprise here with Jesus. He knew what was going to come. He knew about his uh, death on the cross. He's, I'm sure he's like, this is going to hurt. Please get this over with. <laughs> quickly, go. Um and he just, you know, in Jesus' own way, he was rushing into this as headlong as, as Judas' betrayal. Anyway, let's go on to verse 28. Now, none of those reclining at table knew for what purpose he said this to him. Again, one word, clueless. The disciples still were clueless. Notice what is said here, which is quite interesting. Verse 28. No man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. No one at the table even suspected up to that time that Judas was the betrayer. They were told, I'm going to be betrayed. They were told uh, the betrayal will be the one who I give honor to by giving them this dipped morsel. They seen it happen. They heard him say, go quickly. And they're like, what? <laughs> we, don't, we don't get it. We don't know. You know, and I, I think uh, Nathan has in his remark that, just can, we, can we really judge them? I mean, really, 
would we be in that same room? We'd be do the same thing. It's like pointing fingers at Adam and Eve in the garden. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe you just, all I had to do was not eat that fruit, but would we really have done anything different? Maybe for us, it wouldn't have been the fruit. It could have been something uh, different. Uh, Maybe something more tame, something more worse. In the end, we can't, we don't know what we would do if we were in our shoes. Um, but again, regardless of what you think, the, the, the disciples are a little bit dense. Well, that's true, <laughs> but so are we. Uh, but but again, it, it was purposely made that way. I'm sure the Holy Spirit had a, a dampening effect on their mental prowess to keep them from thinking too much, to to keep the peace. Anyway, let's go on to verse. 29, for some were supposing, because Jesus had the money box that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we have needed for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. Now will you notice verse 29. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, Jesus said to him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, he was the treasurer. And you always got to watch, friends, the fellows that handle the money. And that's true in church work. You keep your eye on the deacons, by the way. They handle the money. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. And at Passover season, they did that, you know. Now, this, of course, would be, you know, all they can figure is it has something to do with finances. Uh, The betrayal and the betrayer were were an utter surprise. I mean, they're common... uh, conventional wisdom go-to thing. It was a holiday. Even today, we have a holiday like Christmas or Easter. But what happens? Uh, charities come out of the word to work. It's a good time for people who are feeling charitable and generous. Hey, money for the poor, money for the widows and orphans. And they were thinking much the same way. This maybe had to be something financial. You know, they were going to have the official uh, Passover feast, and maybe he was uh, – going to make their preparations. They they suddenly, again, the Holy Spirit numbed their minds, and they just were clueless. It was just in, meant to be that way, because the injustice that was about to happen was preordained to happen. In verse 30, So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. But what did Jesus say, you know, the sop would represent? It would represent the person that betrayed him. Now, I will give this. They were clueless. And as much as I want to say, uh, shame on them for not listening, I won't because I don't know if they were blinded to this purposefully by God or not. Uh, Were they not supposed to know, or were they supposed to know? I do not know. Um, And and so I can't speculate to that. That's why I'm not going to be quick to judge them. He then, 
having received the sop, went immediately out, and notice, it was night. And friends, it was eternal night for Judas. It was the devil's day, and the devil's day is Egyptian darkness for any man. That's the reason that they have to have so many lights on Broadway and Hollywood Boulevard, because on the devil's way, you got to light it up, friends, because it's dark. Eternal night, the man walked out into. And this is where we're going to end for today. And I have to say that when I was reading this passage uh, for this podcast, uh, he went out immediately. I get that. But why did John add, and it was night? Well, of course, it's going to be night because this these uh, Passover meals would extend into the, the wee hours of the morning, deep into the night. Of course, it's going to be night. Uh, often, just a typical dinner uh, during the Jewish times. It was about 6 p.m. or so, as we would count time, which is, you know, as the turning of one day into the other. You're going to have your evening meal. And when you're done, well, of course, it's going to be, you know, night or at least darkening, you would think. But what does this mean? And it seems that uh, J. Vernon McGee says an awful lot about this, so I won't say much more other than it it, it kind of takes and knocks the wind out of your sails when you think that Jesus, in an opening verses of John, he was the light that was sent to the world and the delight in life of men, and the men did not recognize him. The light had come into the world. Now the light was leaving the world. And when it talks about light, whether it be in the old Hebrew verbiage or the Greek verbiage, night and day, light and dark, uh, they carry pretty much the exact meaning we use light and dark today, the powers of light, the forces of darkness, the powers of good, the powers of evil. It, it's We still use 100% that same morality, mentality, all the, the moral baggage. Uh, at this point, when Jesus received this honor, Satan came to him, it was night. It was a darkness of morality. And it was the darkness of morality that fell over the city uh, that, um, wow, well, I don't know what to say. Uh, there's, there's not much more to add with that. It, it was just, uh, again, you can see why Jesus was emotionally troubled because he knew what, what all this meant. The disciples, not so much yet. And we'll find out as we continue on into the, the closing verses here as we meet again next time. And then after that, we'll move into a series of teachings. And if I'm not mistaken, it's not until I think it's the next chapter. We finally are able to crack open our big book of Bible difficulties. I forget which verses <laughs> uh, has challenges on them. But I know uh, the last couple of chapters, there hasn't been a lot of challenges to uh, because it, the passages are what they are. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, theological debates or atheistic challenges 
But anyway, with all of that, let me go ahead and wrap this all up. Um, hey, you know, let's real quick. Let me take a breather. And then while we check out uh, a quick word from the folks there at Christian Podcast Community, and I'll be right back in a moment. Join us as we take this time to stop and think about it. Hello, anybody home? I think, McFly, think. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. What were you thinking? I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Don't say anything now. Just think about it. You're listening to Stop and Think About It, a podcast for the Christian thinker. In a day when sound biblical preaching has been replaced by man-centered entertainment. And the church has become increasingly anti-intellectual. This podcast will encourage believers to think biblically and theologically. So please join me as we get ready to stop and think about it. Here I am, Phil, the Bronx Expositor, along with my favorite co-host, and only one, Glenroy, the West Indian wordsmith. How you doing, Glenroy? Hello, everybody. We're back. We are back. Greetings, friends and foes, saints and sinners. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Stop and Think About It podcast. Well, thank you for taking this time to stop and think about it. If you would like to contact us, please email us at stopandthinkcrew at gmail.com. You could also visit our website at www.stopandthinkpodcast.com. This podcast is listener-supported by generous people like you. You can give a tax-deductible donation at our affiliate ministry at www.soulfishingministries.org and click on our donate link to give securely through PayPal. Thank you for listening to Stop and Think About It. Now featured on the Christian Podcast Community. ChristianPodcastCommunity.org Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. All right. Hey, and hey, here I am. I promise. (laughs) Thanks for not running away yet. Uh, I don't really have an awful lot to say. Uh, just uh, thanks for listening. Tell a friend about us. That really is how we do grow our audience the most. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Please do drop us a line, whether it be uh, by just leaving us a comment on our a show note, 
by sending us an email, by checking us out on social medias. We do have some various ways of that. And hey, our voice of the podcast, Anthony Russo, will be here in just a moment to tell you all about how to find us there. And so, hey, with that in mind, I guess there's no more else to say. So this is your host, Keith, signing off, and we'll see you next week. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music on the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell on you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.